You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 4th of August. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent financial market developments. During this podcast, we will give particular attention to the economic performances in quarter two and review the factors that continue to impact on the main currency pairs. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. Ollie, this week's market brief, which customers can find available on the Epic Centre website, is entitled Mind-Blowing Data, reflecting on the GDP data for quarter two for the year so far for both the US and the Eurozone economies. Ollie, what does the latest figures tell us? And secondly, how are both economies positioned as you move into quarter three and looking towards quarter four? Yeah, well, as the headline on our weekly commentary says, they're mind-blowing data because both for the Eurozone and the US economy, the data show an enormous and historic contraction in the level of output or GDP in the second quarter of the year. We, we simply haven't seen anything on the scale in terms of the fall in GDP in the period April through to June. Now, output had already declined in quarter one. It was down by 3.6% in the Eurozone and nearly 1.5% in the US as the COVID-19 restrictions and lockdowns began. But really, most of Europe and a lot of the US was locked down for April and a good part of May. So that's reflected in these data. The decline in Eurozone GDP was of the order of 12%, and in the US it was just over 8%. Now, they were very close to expectations. The forecasts were very good, but these were very big declines in output. Now, the quarter two GDP figures don't really tell the story because what you had was a very sharp fall in output in the first part of quarter two, so during April and the first half of May. And then as economies were reopened, output picked up in the second half of May, and particularly so in June. So that by June, uh, the end of June, activity had regained a lot of the ground that was lost. So this is an average level of of activity or output over the course of quarter two, vis-a-vis quarter one. They relate to the Eurozone and they relate to the US. We also have Irish retail sales figures last last week, which are very interesting. And we take the core measure, which excludes the motor trade. In April, Irish retail sales fell by 24%. They recovered some ground in May and then rose by 22% in June. So by June, actually, they were back to their pre-COVID levels and they're up on year earlier levels. So that's what I mean. It's almost like a V-shaped recovery, as economists talk about it. So it's the same for the data in regard to these are very, very big declines in output in the second quarter. But by the end of the second quarter, economies had regained a lot of the lost ground. And that's interesting because as you move into quarter three, we will get a big rebound in GDP. I mean, that's going to happen. But is that not determined based on, say, maybe the reemergence or the non-reemergence of the virus? Well, what's happened is we're into August at this stage, and we know the virus has reemerged, particularly in the States, but also in parts of Europe. But we're not seeing the same type of lockdowns that we saw earlier on in the year. They're more focused. They're a shorter duration. Some of the economies are not locking down at all. So the impact on activity would not be as great. So even if you take Irish retail sales, even if they fall back a bit in July and August and into September, we're still going to get a substantial increase in the quarter. For example, if retail sales in Ireland remained at their June levels right through quarter three, there'd actually be an increase of 16% on quarter two levels. So because they have recovered by June, so even if they fall off a bit in, in July and August, we're still going to get significant increases. You remember that in April and certainly made this economy for other economies, economies are largely shut down and governments and health authorities have indicated they're not going to do that again. So I think it's more a case where we get a recovery towards the end of quarter two in June 
then it may be that we lose some momentum in quarter three, but the, the output is still up. What happens after that? And the IMF has been talking about what it calls a partial recovery in activity, where we do get some bounce back in growth. Yeah. We don't recover all the lost ground. And because of the ongoing issues in terms of the persistence of the virus, temporary lockdowns, but also what economists call scarring effects. And what I mean by that is it begins to do permanent damage to confidence. We begin to see rising bad debts, rising bankruptcies, and also an increase in the number of permanent job losses. And in those sort of circumstances, it is difficult for the economy to continue on that recovery path. So we could be left with a couple of years where the IMF says, looking at the second half of 2020 into 2021, even the early part of 2022, economies are operating below par. They have high employment. There's a lot of spare capacity. There's rising business failures. And whereas it might be technically a recession, it feels like a recessionary condition. So I think that's where the challenge is posed by the re-emergence of the virus. Okay. It's not that the economies are locked down again, but it's going to be very hard for economies to regain full momentum. We talked later about the, the figures in the States in terms of the US employment report that are coming out yeah. Friday, but they give you a very good picture of what I'm talking about. Well, then, can I ask you something, though? So what you're saying is, though, even though the data impact seems more severe on the Eurozone side, that during that period of time, albeit probably most of it in quarter three, the euro has appreciated against the dollar. Yeah. Do, do, do you find that a bit strange? Or obviously there was other factors maybe at play here, not just what was related to the pandemic. Yeah, well, I think, firstly, I think the markets have some concerns that Europe was better at getting on top of the virus, okay? And okay, there may have been a bigger decline in GDP, but it brought the virus under much better control than we see in the US. So to some extent, the US, the lockdown wasn't as extensive mm, yeah. and it wasn't as far long. And as a result, the US economy didn't contract as much in quarter two. But we see in the States that the virus has re-emerged with a vengeance. So the feeling is that the recovery in the States could be weaker yeah. in the second half of okay. the year than in Europe. Yeah. Now, we have these payroll figures coming on Friday. They're, they're yeah. obviously very important. The US employment reports are the main data releases of the month. And this sort of gives a very good picture of what I'm talking about. In April and May, employment fell by, you know, the job losses were nearly 22 million, 21.5 million drop in jobs in March, sorry, March and April. March states. Yeah. And then in May and June, they rose by 7.5 million, which sounds great. Yeah. But actually, employment in the US is 14 million below where it was. So what can we expect for July? So we're set for July, they may get a 2.5 million increase, but that's still is 10 yeah. million short. Okay. And what we were hoping to see is before the outbreak in of emergence of the virus is that we could see July and August coming up maybe growth of five million or six million in jobs and you're regaining those lost yeah. jobs over a period of time. And there's a real fear that the recovery in employment, if we get the two and a half million extra jobs in July, okay, that's ten million jobs back, twenty one point five million lost. So it's still down eleven and a half million jobs. The real fear in the US is that the reemergence of the virus could halt that recovery in employment and you're left with permanent job loss now which could be eight ten million so that's what i mean you will get a bounce back but unless yeah. it continues you're not going to re- see the full recovery in activity and this partial recovery to the imf are talking about that's what they mean yeah okay so can i just ask then just one last point on the euro dollar so you might answer the question but yes or no answer is yeah. there a event risk for the dollar then this week with the payroll oh, yes yeah. no, i think it, We've referenced the euro dollar for quite a number of weeks. Firstly, the dollar lost a lot of ground against a broad range of currencies in July. And against the euro, the euro rose from 112 at the start of July to 118 by the end of the month. And actually on Friday, it got as high as 119. But as we've pointed out, 120 is a very big level for euro dollar. Ever since 
the ECB moved to negative interest rates in the Eurozone back in 2014, Euro dollar has largely traded between 105 and 120. Yep. It only got above 120 for a brief period in 2018. So to get over that level would be a big challenge for the Euro. So it wasn't that surprising that on Friday we saw it at 119 and then it just halted and reversed. So it looks like the Euro's running out a bit of steam. The, level, yeah. steam. the other thing I would say is the markets are very short the dollar. Now, there's concerns about, as you referenced, how they're handling the COVID crisis. Yeah. There's concerns. Europe has has agreed its recovery program. Package, yeah. We can see the disagreement in Congress and states on a new fiscal stimulus. And also there's rising political risks in the states. I mean, uh, I, I don't know about you watched the TV coverage last week, but yeah. you have the US president basically saying that he may not accept the outcome the, of the, the election. Outcome of the election yeah. And it could wind up the Supreme Court. And we have hanging <laughs> Chaz before 2000, things like that. That's not exactly a positive backdrop for your currency. But having said that, we're stuck with negative interest rates in the Eurozone. Yeah. And... 120 has been a very big level for the currency. But to answer your question, if those payroll numbers came in far weaker than expected, that could trigger a test of 120. Okay. On the other hand, if they're much stronger than expected, it could offer some support to the dollar. So I think over the course of this week, the major driver of the currency markets, certainly the dollar, is likely to be the US employment report on Friday. Grant. Okay, so look, for our customers there, in summary, keep an eye out for this Friday payroll figure. There could be some event risk for the dollar. Olive, I just move the conversation on to central banks, and I just want to talk about the Bank of England as the Bank of Ireland hold their August MPC meeting this week. Two questions I have for you. Is there any change in policy anticipated, and is there any event risk for sterling? The answers are probably unlikely. This is the first meeting since June. They meet every six weeks. Yeah. And at the June meeting, they loosened policy. They increased their quantitative easing program. That's their bond-buying program by a hundred billion. So they won't be making any policy changes anytime soon. They have you know moved policy significantly at their last meeting. Now having said that, the Bank of England caught markets off guard earlier on this summer. For years that ruled out the idea of moving rates into negative territory as the ECB have done. But they seemed more open to the idea at the depths of the crisis back let's say last April and May. And they're doing an analysis on that and they may give some signals to the markets, uh, certainly maybe in the press conference after the meeting, about what their thinking is in regard to moving rates into negative territory. As things stand, the bank has cut rates to 0.1%. That's yep. historic low. And what are future markets saying? M- markets are thinking that rates could certainly be cut to zero and possibly into negative territory, but, but, not, but not more but so. That, that's not a red line issue, though, for the Bank of England. Is it to go below zero? It has been up to now. Right, okay. So that's what I'm saying to you. We might get some... Now, they may not have completed their analysis, but if there's anything to move stern, it will be around their thoughts if they have any share with yeah. us on Thursday in regard to moving negative interest rates. Cutting to zero is fine, but moving neg- rates into negative territory is a, it's a big move. As I said earlier, with regard to the ECB, I mean, the euro hasn't recovered since 2014 yeah. from the move of negative rates, sorry, euro rates yeah. into negative territory. So I think that's what the markets will be looking out for. And if there's a move on sterling, where it will be driven by any comments in regard to negative rates. Now, sterling did recover a bit of ground last week, you know, had weakened over the summer. Negotiations haven't been going well around the trade, trade negotiations with the EU, but uh, it had got up to around 91.5 piece. The euro has fallen back to around the 90p level. Yeah. I suppose th- there hasn't been much news on the trade negotiations, but they are to resume in September, which is positive in itself. And, you know, the soundings from the UK side are they think that they'll get a, you know, a deal can be done by the end of October. So once that hope is there, it continues to offer some support to Sterling. Has been trading around the 90p level for quite some time now, and that's likely to remain the case in the next number of weeks.
Okay, Ollie, many thanks for the update. And a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Many thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.